And welcome back to another unbelievably thrilling episode of On Stage, Off Stage. My name is George Sapio. I'm your host. And our guest this week is the well-respected and well-known playwright, John Patrick Bray. John got his MFA in playwriting at the New School for Drama in 2003. And he has a uh, PhD from uh, Louisiana State University. And let's see, listing his plays... Forget about it. That would take most of the interview. But trust me, this man is prolific. His plays have been produced all around the country and have been published with uh, Smith & Krauss, Applause, Next Stage Press, Indie Theater Now, Heartland Plays, JAC Publishing, and the Ryan Theater. His research interests include new play development and production, which we'll get to uh, talking about pretty soon, and adaptation studies. He is a board member of the Plastic Theater of Lafayette in Louisiana a board member of Technoculture, an online journal of technology and society, and he is the moderator and director of No Shame Athens, which is a play-reading series under the auspices of the Rose of Athens Theater. And because he has all this copious free time to do extra stuff, he's the moderator and director of the Athens Playwright Workshop. How does he put bread on his table? He is a teacher at the University of Georgia in Athens, uh, teaching the dramatic sequence and a seminar in dramatic writing. Welcome to On Stage, Off Stage, John Patrick Bray. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Good to have you. Let's get started with you. you, you I noticed your PhD was in play development, which is a pet subject of mine. What can you tell us about, let's say, you know, the state of development in the U.S.? I mean, is, is it a... Is it a regular part of a playwright's process these days? Well, I'd say yes, it is. And I think that there are um, benefits to development, but I also think that there's a little bit of development gone wild, or I'm sure you've heard the phrase developmental hell. And yeah, huh? um, yeah. what I started noticing just a few years ago was um, more and more um, development opportunities and production opportunities are being created by playwrights themselves. Um, a kind of entrepreneurship that we see with like 13P or the workhouse in uh, Minneapolis or even the last Frontier Theater Conference in Valdez, that's Dawson Moore, who's a playwright. Sure. Um, and uh, so it, it's, you know, a mixture of, of good news and bad news. I looked at um, Todd London and um, uh, Ben Pesner and uh, Zanny Gerard uh, Voss's book, um, Outrageous Fortune, The Life and Times of New American Play, and I thought, this is <laughs> it's kind of depressing news. Um, but um, And I thought about it, and at first I felt a little cynical, like, wow, that's really the, the state of things. If it's true that there are only, you know, several you know, avenues to get into um, playwriting and that there are a number of gatekeepers um, uh, before we even start, then what's the point? And... Uh, but then after I thought, you know, but what a great time to, to look at people like the 13P and uh, Playwright 6 out in Los Angeles and in other groups where playwrights got together and said, you know what, we can do it ourselves and act as artistic director of their own work. Um, and I think it's also been very helpful because um, as we've seen over the past um, 20, 30 years, um, and I re realize I'm painting this kind of a broad brush here, sure. but there, as the number of developmental opportunities have been on the rise, the number of production opportunities have been on the decline. And so we see like playwrights kind of getting pushed away from the larger production apparatus of theater. And I think in the past decade that's changed, and it, it's been a slow change, but now it's 
starting to become more the norm that playwrights are banding together and saying, well, let's just do it ourselves. Let's be artistic director. Let's bring in directors we want to work with and, you know, bring in designers and actors and, um, you know, and, and self-produce. And, uh, and that's been very exciting, I think, for the aesthetic of the American drama. That's, so, that's been um, a common thing for most of the playwrights that I've run into who, you know, they send out their work and either they don't hear anything or they hear something six months later and, sorry, but, we, you know, decided to go with someone else. And the only option is, hey, kids, let's put on a show. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and so there's a lot of that. And there's also, you know, most of the productions I've had, it's because I've gone out and met people. And, um, and I've met people at, you know, different social gatherings. And, um, and I try not to come on like gangbusters, like, oh, here's my play, here's my resume, here's well, everything. It's, it's you know, hard not it's to kind be, of yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really is. So... Um, so I've just been really fortunate. I've met when I was, um, uh, I never lived in New York City. I lived around New York City. And so when I lived around New York City and got into the city a bunch during my master's and beyond, I just met great people who were hungry to do new things, try new things. And I met folks that kind of got my aesthetic and I got their aesthetic and, uh, I formed a number of fantastic working relationships as a result. Um, Rising Sun Performance Company in New York is a great organization, um, uh, Rachel Klein, she's now doing stuff off-Broadway. With um, She's had a steampunk around the world in 80 days. Um, At Hand Theater, which just closed its doors with Dan Horrigan. Some really great stuff going on over there. Yeah, um, yeah so there's a lot of like really cool people doing great work. And it's just a matter of you know, just hanging out and, and seeing how you can help them. And, and uh, you, you end up having Got to work your way yeah, into exactly. these places and, and show them that you're willing to commit first. Exactly. You know, everybody's broke. You kind of get used to that, so you, you get creative. You get <laughs> that was going to be my next um, question. Yeah, I mean, networking is one thing, and there's an art to that, and we could probably do a whole interview on the techniques and the art form of networking, what to do, what not to do, but it basically comes down to who's going to pay for this. That's a good question, and a lot of um, independent companies have gone to um, crowdsourcing and, uh, you know, and Kickstarter and uh, Indiegogo. Uh, Indiegogo places, yeah, and sure. That. Yeah, and uh, that can be very helpful. Um, but it also helps that if you have a, a bit of a resume and if you've met enough people, um, you can at least get uh, donations to get the ball rolling. Um, there are different grants you can apply for um, uh, depending on which state you're in. Um, and uh, you know, and then uh, you know, soliciting private donations or, or talking to uh, corporate sponsors, um, which is, that can always be tricky. I, I haven't gone that route, but... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, but I've been fortunate that, that folks I've known have said, yeah, we believe what you're doing, so you know, here's a little money, and it's enough just to get something on its feet. Um, things are getting more expensive in New York City. I'm sure you, you hear that. And oh, yeah, sure. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> kind of goes without saying. You know, uh, so, um, what would you say to a playwright who's, who's looking to get their work done and considering hiring somebody who's a grant specialist? I think that's a phenomenal idea. Um, I think that it's it's excellent if you can find somebody that has that um, um, art administration you know skill set that you'll be in really good company. Um, you know the reason why my shows even got seen was more of the um, administrative side. We um, for my for a few of my shows we hired a publicist named Emily Owens who she just knows everybody. So if you can get a good grant writer and get a good publicist, um, you know you'll you'll get yourself noticed. Um, and it's worth the expense. It's, it's worth going after these folks. Um, 
You know, I mean, it's one thing if you want to put on one of your own shows and say, okay, so I had a show for a couple of weeks or a show in a festival, and that's kind of all I want to do. But if you're looking to sustain yourself, then um, you need to get really good administrators on your side. <laughs> yeah, I should have been an accountant like my mother wanted. I ended up being a playwright. <laughs> it's like being a sponge diver in Nebraska. That is what it feels like to be a playwright trying to get productions. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. But, you know, there are more um, and more um, colleges now um, at the undergraduate level. They have um, uh, students take a business course, something to sharpen entrepreneur skills, something to get them to understand budgets and uh, and how to come up with something that's, you know, manageable and, you know, how to create, like, sure. your dream mm-hmm. budget. You know, and then like a secondary budget, like, well, if I can't do my dream budget, here's a really solid working and doable plan B and aim for A. And usually you come up with something kind of in between like A and B, like a, you know, B.2 or something. But right. um, Do you, do you uh, agree with the right brain, a, left brain argument that, you know, creative people aren't good at the business section of things and vice versa? I, you know, it, it could be. Um, um, I, I don't know. Um, um, I, I think that it's definitely worth trying to teach people the business side. Sure, um, yeah. You know, uh, just even like something simple, like okay, um, if you're taking an advanced playwriting class, um, here's what you need to do: go get this play produced as your final project someplace in town. Um, whatever produced might mean to you, right. um, as long as it's off book and there's some kind of a, a photocopied program, and just kind of get people to go through the motions. Because um, one, I think that would help uh, playwrights learn, um, you know, exactly what it means to to get into the business side of it. And two, I do feel that playwrights um, need that production; that that's an important part of uh, developing one's uh, aesthetic voice. And while it's wonderful to have readings and developmental opportunities, if you're not taking that last step or getting that last step, then uh, you really are stuck. There's so much more to it um, on the other side. Um, sure. yeah. but, uh, well, yeah. once, once you've got it, you have to do something with it. Exactly, yeah. yeah I mean, the, the object of, of writing a play is to get it produced, is to get it out, shown to the public. That's the fulfilling of the fulfillment of its, of its nature, of its being. I know from, I, I never took playwriting courses, I never took too many acting courses, I, I basically did this because I'm a writer, but the playwrights that I run across at conferences and fringe festivals and things like that, I, I'm finding an, a, an awfully high percentage of them don't know much about development or haven't done much development with their work, they rehearse it and they make a cut here, they make a cut there and that sort of thing. But as far as an intensive workshop, a lot of them haven't had much experience with that. Have you found that? Um, not really, but I've been running mostly in academic circles. I mean, certainly there's some folks that, um, like, see, I was going to pull examples, and then I, I reflected and realized that they've had development as well. I was going to point out Key Wynn from Vampire Cowboys, and he just had a, a play at Sundance. So, I'm <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. so I guess that's not true, but... Um, you know, most of um, what I've run across is has been, you know, plays that have had some development, plays that have had some workshop, um, and uh, I think it's important to hear the play at some level before sending it out into the world. Um, um, 
but I mean, a, a step in development can simply be getting a group of people over to your house or apartment and ordering up a pizza and hearing it read aloud in your living room. I mean, that's development. Um, sure. A step in development could be if you're fortunate enough to land a production to sit in on the first few table reads to see um, what's working, what's not working, if something's gelling, if something's not clear. Um, you know, if you're overstating, uh, which is a big one, if you're not allowing the audience to do some work. Um, right. You know, uh, that's that's still a kind of development. I think that here in the U.S. that that um, a lot of the folks that I've run into, at least, have had some kind of development somewhere, um, whether it's at a conference, whether it's through workshops at school or stage readings, you know, in the community. Um, sure. So I've seen more development uh, than not. Uh, if you could design a development process, what would it be? Well, I, you know, um, the John Patrick Brave <laughs> development process. <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's funny because I'm trying to do that here in um, in Athens, Georgia, um, with the Athens Playwrights Workshop and um, the the No Shame through Rose of Athens. Um, right. And I know I'm changing gears here, but this kind of no, 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 you're, you're with, just moving us along because that's exactly where I was going. Oh, great! Yeah. The, when I was in uh, grad school, I had a teacher named Jeffrey Sweet, and um, he said to me uh, in conversation once, he said, you know, I, I feel like playwrights need two things. They need community, and they need production. And um, I thought about that, um, how playwrights could really benefit from having just a community get together every couple of weeks, something that's low-key and focuses on the writer's voice, but without saying, we're focusing on your voice, just right. keep it you know, more casual, more open. And uh, so that's what we're doing with the Athens Playwrights Workshop. Um, I moderated and I brought in um, a doctoral student um, who's graduating this year named George Pate, who's just an outstanding writer and a great guy. And um, we tried to create an atmosphere with the mem other members of camaraderie and uh, support. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, we don't like kiss each other's butt all the time. We, we let each other know we're off, mm -hmm. off the, the, you know, off the rails, but I think that's also part of it is building that trust. And, um, so that kind of workshop, that's a workshop that's really, you know, quote, just to, to borrow from Jeff Sweet a little bit, right. it's kind of geared toward the writer, something where it's, it could be 10 pages at a time, could be half hour, could even be the entire evening. Um, if somebody has something they really need to hear and, uh, you know, there's not necessarily a production apparatus, you know, connected to it, but it's just something where playwrights can go and and feel free to take risks and make mistakes and, and try something new and have a good time. Mm. Yeah, it, it's really cool. Um, and uh, we've been uh, doing this now. Uh, this is my third year uh, doing it here in Athens. Um, our members consist of undergraduate students, graduate students, um, graduates uh, who, who left the program and, you know, they're out in the world now, but they're close enough to Athens, they come back in. We had an emeritus uh, who was with us for a bit, Dr. Stanley Longman, and, uh, but he moved away now. He he's, uh, doesn't get to town much, uh, much anymore. And, um, and we also have opened the door to community members and said, you know, if there are folks in the area who are playwrights and you're looking for a place to, you know, a place to just kind of uh, uh, hear some of your pages and hear other pages and just to meet and connect with playwrights, you know. I noticed you wrote down that you, you follow the New York Writers Block model. Tell us something about that. Well, the block was, 
Um, that was uh, formed by uh, Jeffrey Sweet, Donald Margolis, um, Michael Wright, um, and a handful of others. Um, uh, for a while, Jerry Stiller was a member. And it was basically actors and directors and playwrights getting together and um, uh, reading sections of script at a time. But because there were also actors involved, um, they... Uh, um, played improvisational games, um, and uh, Jeff Sweet wrote um, Something Wonderful Right Away, the oral history of um, Second City and the Compass Players, and, uh, and so that, that kind of followed, uh, you know, followed him wherever he goes, and so I thought, you know, wow, what a great idea just to have a, a group of people where there's not really like a, a huge mission statement, um, where there's not really funding, where the stakes are, you know, kind of low in the grand scheme of things, um, where we can um, play improvisational games, where we can, uh, you know, have some warm-up exercises and stuff before getting to the readings. Um, you know, usually somebody brings, like, cookies or something, too. Sure, um, yeah. and, uh, so I, I liked that kind of community atmosphere that the that the block had um, through the 1980s, uh, just reading about it and talking to Jeff about it and some others. And so I'm, I'm trying to borrow just that vibe, or what I perceive to be that vibe. Uh, no, it's, this, it's, uh, it's a great model to work with. Uh, you're exercising, you're exploring the entire spectrum of theater there. You've got the actors working. We've got the playwrights working. Is is there ever any shortage of script material for these things, or does somebody always manage no, to come with something? <laughs> well, it's kind of a loaded question. Yeah, no, we we, uh, we tend to go overtime, <laughs> and uh, you know there, there's never a shortage. There's never been a, a time when folks show up and they have nothing. And uh, you know, I um, we did more exercises early on as we were getting to know each other, and mm-hmm. um, but now the, it's more that we just you know, we just get right to it. Um, and we're really in a great place because um, on Monday, November 11th, um, the Graduate Acting Ensemble here at UGA, they approached us and said, hey, as part of this spotlight on the arts festival we have here at UGA, we'd like to perform some of your scripts um, and uh, open up the doors. And we said, oh, what a fantastic idea. So they're getting very involved with uh, what we're doing here. And so, That's yeah, great. again, we have actors, we have directors, we have designers, we have dramatic media folks here and who work with technology and do all kinds of crazy and amazing things. Um, that sounds amazing. A couple amazing. of doctoral students, it's great. All right, so somebody brings in a script and they have it read. What's the feedback like? Are there rules for this? Are there ways ways you can go as far as feedback? Are there limits on it? How do, how do you focus on this? Uh, the first couple of meetings, I try to focus on you know just using the vocabulary of what was clear. Um, you know what was the story? What you know? What did the the folks listening to the work or reading the work out loud here when it was read out loud? Um, and kind of use that as a jumping point, but because there's been a group of us together now for almost three years, we um, you know, we're a little less formal than that, um, and uh, so we kind of jump right in with uh, you know with comments, and um, uh, it's really just a great group of folks because everybody's just so generous and positive. Even when something's not working, it's never like a you know 
Um, one never walks away feeling like they failed. It's become more like an unspoken rule, I guess, that um, if we're going to give feedback, we have to make sure that it is absolutely constructive and that it has to do, you know, that it goes along with what the writer is working on and not so much with, well, you know, if I was writing the play, I'd, I'd change it to fit this aesthetic. Like, no, this is, you know. Um, Don't rewrite the playwright's play for him. Exactly. You know, someone once said to me that playwrights have three drives and they are food, sex, and rewriting everybody else's plays. And, <laughs> and so, <laughs> but the, you know, so with the third one, we try to, we try to quell that a little bit and just make sure early on, it's like, okay, so what, what is the writer working on and, and what is clear based on what the writer's working on. Right. And I think that we've all gained more confidence in our, in our writing and have been able to take more aesthetic risks so that's kind of that's the Athens Playwrights Workshop in a, in a nutshell. I mean, we uh, not a big nutshell, but we uh, we meet every other Monday night at the University of Georgia in the Fine Arts Building at 7 p.m. and uh, we, we've just been having the ball. That's great. For those of you just tuning in, this is on stage, off stage. My name is George Sapio. I'm your host, and our guest this week is playwright John Patrick Bray, talking about. Uh, workshopping, talking about his PhD, talking about the Athens Playwright Workshop. You mentioned that the Athens Playwright Workshop was a writer-centered workshop, but the No yes. Shame Athens is script-centered. It's a play-reading series. Um, what's the difference? Well, with the writer-centered workshop, there's a group of writers that get together you know, a set number of times, whether it's once a week, every other week, once a month, whatever, and share scripts and build a community with the script-centered workshop. Um, an individual script is brought in for a reading, um, and the company doesn't necessarily make a commitment to the playwright. It's um, it's solely to hear the script, and um, and uh, so that's what the the Rose of Athens, No Shame Athens, is. It's, right. it's script-centered. We um, we read the script, and um, there's a talkback session that follows. Um, unlike other developmental programs that I've visited or been a part of, um, I try to keep it as a cold reading series so that the actors might read it once, hopefully they read it once before um, they go in front of the audience. And um, there's a, a period of about a half hour where they can ask the playwright some questions or if the playwright wants to hear something before we go up, um, that would be the time to work it out. And then the script is read more or less cold, and it's just read, um, no movement, no props, and um, and then a talk back session follows um, follows afterwards. Okay. Um, where uh, where and, do you, where uh, do you get the place to read? Who submits? Well, when I started um, a year and a half ago, I started with one of my own just to get the ball rolling, and uh, and then I brought in uh, scripts written by students at UGA, um, and so faculty got involved in the talk back. Some faculty members who um, teach performance here have read for us. Um, and then we've had uh, some community actors, some, some folks who graduated from the program. Um, and as I've moved forward, um, we, we started getting uh, a little bit more notice. I, I introduced myself to um, folks in the Atlanta theater scene, um, Pamela Turner, who's the uh, regional representative for um, the Dramatist Guild in Atlanta. Um, we, we've struck up a, a friendship. And um, some others that I reached out to, um, Evan Guilford Blake, Dan Guyton, Hank Kimmel over at Working Title Playwrights, um, and 
And so we were, you know, so I, I just started talking to folks and said, hey, mm. would you like to have a, a reading with us? And, uh, oh, they said, oh, great. And then uh, Pamela Turner was nice enough to put a blurb about us um, in uh, The Dramatist, um, uh, the, the journal published by the Dramatist Guild of America. And mm-hmm. uh, for anybody who might not know that, <laughs> but uh, she, um, and after that, folks started writing to me on different um, forums and different lists saying, well, how does one get a reading? And, um, you know, I explained that um, where I'm coming from, I'm a volunteer with Roses of Athens and uh, artistic associate, so I don't have um, the budget to bring writers in. But if folks are willing to come to Athens and if they have a script they'd like to hear, um, I'd be happy to set up a reading um, using our uh, actors at UGA, our graduates, and then um, some really talented community folks. But the writers so far have come out and visited us. We had Dusty Wilson, who runs the um, official Playwrights page. He came out from Chicago. And um, Ron Pollins from uh, uh, up in Massachusetts, he came down. We just had Donna Latham here, who was also from Chicago. Uh, she and her husband decided to treat it as a you know, kind of a mini vacation for the weekend and took in the sights. And then we had, the, we had a reading of her play um, uh, Sunday night. And... Uh, uh, and it was just a, a great experience. Um, the faculty here have been um, uh, very, very excited about um, having a culture of new plays here and teaching students new play dramaturgy. Um, one faculty member in particular, Dr. Fran Teague, teaches uh, dramaturgy. And so dramaturgy is one of those subjects that you can probably come up with about 15 different definitions for. What's, what's her take on this? I think that, well, I think that there are 15 different definitions for dramaturgy, but from a new play stance, it's um, being able to understand what the play is doing, what the playwright wants the play to do, and how to negotiate between the two if there are any moments where the writer thinks it's doing one thing but it's actually doing something else. Um, mm. And it's a very delicate tool um, because certainly the dramaturg doesn't want to alienate. Um, the playwright and um, and the problem is with with uh, dramaturgs is um, it's it's not them it's the position I've heard folks say you know oh I had a really bad experience with the dramaturg so I'll never work with dramaturgs sure, again yeah, but you'll never hear folks say that about it you know it happens and so um, you know it's a it's a very delicate balance um, but it requires the dramaturg to truly understand what the play is doing and truly understand what the writer wants the play to do and to make sure that, that that's happening. Um, Dramaturgs have to understand and, uh, not just the play, but the playwright also. Yeah, yeah it exactly. is It is a touchy thing because their job is to observe and comment and it's... You know, it's it's easy to go wrong with that sort of thing. You know, depending upon the playwright, depending Absolutely. upon the play, and you get caught up in the process, and whoops, you've overstepped, and there you go. You've got starting to get a divide between yourself and the playwright. You mentioned talkbacks before and audiences uh, for the play reading series. Uh, I'm assuming more and more people are finding out about this. You're getting good houses. Yeah, pretty good, actually. Um, over the summers, we had a couple of plays uh, the first two summers, and the summers in Athens here are a little quiet, um, so I stopped ho- hosting the series um, over the summer. It's just um, once a month during the academic mm-hmm. year. Um, but during the academic year, we, we get some people there. Um, I think last night there were uh, 20 people, um, mm-hmm. and then there were eight members in the cast, um, and... Uh, 
who stayed around and, and talked afterwards. Um, That's good. And the talkback sessions here have been, um, you know, I, I think they're going pretty well. I, you know, because I am a playwright, I've been a part of some talkback sessions that have been wonderful experiences, like up at Last Frontier Theater Conference. Uh, sure, Dawson yeah. just gets great, great people. And then I've had the nightmare talkback experience <laughs> where, you know, yes, uh, <laughs> been there, done that. The moderator says something to the audience like, you know, so uh, what did you think? It's like, oh, don't ask him that. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. There, there, and, there should uh, be somebody yeah. out there must have a list of the questions not to ask during a talkback. And that, that, that exactly. should be number one on the list. What do you think? What did you think of the play? <laughs> you need zombies. Um, I always you... tell the playwright beforehand to just say, you know, what questions do you want me to ask? And are there any comments that you want me to nip in the bud if they start, sure. you know, if they start rearing their head? And folks, uh, playwrights have been very open. I mean, once, once I think once, uh, you know, talk back moderator, opens that door and says, what do you want to ask? You know, what, what responses do you want to hear? Now, luckily here at um, Athens, we have, as I mentioned, like the, the folks who come to the readings are faculty members, they're students at, at very level, you know, various levels of their study, whether they're bachelor students, master students, doctoral students. And mm-hmm. so there's already like a built-in, you know, theatrical language. You know, a lot of uh, fellow playwrights show up to the readings. So I think there's already a, a kind of an understanding of, of what, what this process is. I, I worry sometimes that there might be a talkback session somewhere in America where the audience is more of a general audience and might not have the, the tools or the skills necessary to, to be a, a helpful part of that conversation. The uh, language. And that's where you end up getting comments like, do you need to use a bad language? And, you know, it's like, well, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, uh, that's one of the dangers of, of talkbacks. I mean, when you mention talkbacks, I, I break out into a cold sweat, but... You need somebody who can actually run this thing and run it specifically so the audience knows what it is that they should be talking about, what's useful to the playwright, and how to best express the feeling. Because they they all have feelings about the play they've just seen or heard. And it's a question of getting it across in the right language. And I've been really fortunate because the plays that I've had read here, whether through Rose of Athens or um, I had a play read with um, the Dramatist Guild... um, uh, Friday night, uh, Footlight, Atlanta style, um, back in May. Um, I've had the same moderator, and it's George Pate again, the, the uh, graduate student here. Um, and we have a really good friendship, um, and so uh, and a really good working like relationship on top of that. Um, and so anytime I've had a reading that's been in the area, I've just said, you know, George, would you mind running this thing for me? And, uh, and he asked great questions, and... Uh, um, and gets really, really solid answers and, and, and usable answers from the audience, whether they're, you know, um, a theater audience or, or just a group of folks who happen to be around and said, hey, let's hear a reading. I see that you, uh, you marketed some of these plays uh, that were read. You put out anthologies. Oh, yeah. Well, the, um, um, at the end of um, last year, a, a private donor um, uh, gave us a, a small grant for... Um, uh, to Athens Playwrights Workshop, and I should mention that some of the, a bunch of the playwrights who are a member of the APW um, have had readings with Rose of Athens, and um, and the same members actually found productions with um, undergraduate um, theater organizations, you know, um, drama clubs and stuff, and uh, Thalian and Blackfriars in particular. Um, so it was neat to see them, you know, actually get a full production out of it. And uh, so at the end of last year, when um, 
uh, when a, a, a grant came along, uh, I was told, okay, but you have to spend it like immediately. Um, I talked to George Pate and said, you know, we've got a, we've got a little bit of money, but we have no time, so we can't really do a production. Um, you know, what should we do? And uh, we thought, you know what, let's let's publish an anthology. It's been such a great year here. Let's um, let's go ahead and anthologize these plays using you know non-exclusive you know, non-licensing contracts. And uh, you know, I approached the playwrights and said, you know, of course, that if the, the work is published, there might be some places that might not look at it, and there might be places that say, you know, hmm. But, uh, you know, if you're willing to be a part of this thing, I think it'd just be a, a really neat way to, uh, uh, you know, to, to celebrate our accomplishments this year. And uh, everybody was game, so I put out, um, I started our own label, and we used um, a printing company up in Canada, uh, Art Book Bindery, and uh, rather than going the print-on-demand route, I thought it would just be easier to do uh, a set number of books to, um, you know, sell around town here, um, you know, some of the actors that were in the... Uh, and the plays, if they wanted to buy a copy, if they see their name in it, or you know, if they want to buy something for the mom sure. or whatever, yeah. but it makes a great Christmas present. And uh, <laughs> you know, all new monologue, you haven't seen any monologue books for those auditioning, and uh, you know, it, it was uh, just a neat thing. So that became uh, that became part of it. So here in Athens, we now have the Athens Playwrights Workshop. We have no shame, and um, if we sell enough copies of the book, I'm just taking that money and putting it into a, another anthology for next year. Um, and uh, the heads of the different undergraduate organizations have approached me and said, "Okay, so who's writing plays? You know, who whose play do you think could benefit from a production here?" And so there's a lot of networking going on um, between the undergraduates, the graduate students, and uh, I've been seeing a lot of exciting stuff. I mean, last semester we had um, four original plays produced, fully produced, and uh, limited runs, like short runs, but sure. um, but they they each had a small budget and they were just so much fun, and it was just great seeing Sounds these things amazing. come to fruition. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the uh, amount of work that Athens is producing, uh, play wise, is, I mean, just that you're involved with is absolutely stunning. Yeah, that's, thank uh, you. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much. We're we're very happy, you know. And uh, by we, it might be the editorial we, because um, yeah, I really wanted to be a part of a culture where there were new plays just happening. That it was a given there would be new plays. And uh, mm. so when I showed up here. I thought, okay, I don't see much of that going on. So I guess I'll just have to build it. And uh, I've been that's, very happy with the results. That's and what we need. More plays. Here. Yeah, more plays, more play productions. Get that new stuff out there. So. If, I or one of our, our listeners were interested in, in getting one of these anthologies. Would that be possible? Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't have a, an Amazon page now, but if you write to me directly at um, uh, my email, jpbray, B-R-A-Y, at U-G-A dot E-D-U, um, that's the uh, best way to get in touch. Um, but uh, over the next uh, month, I'm hoping to have an Amazon page set up to uh, sell off the rest of the copies that we have here, if possible. Um, but for now, the email is the best route to go. You're listening to Onstage, Offstage. I'm George Sapio, and our guest is John Patrick Bray. We've got a few minutes left, and I wanted to ask you a little bit about your teaching. As a playwright, as a teacher, uh, going through the dramatic sequence, with your new students, are there any preconceptions that you have to deal with? or the, the challenge here is that in a dramatic writing sequence, I have playwrights and screenwriters in, um, in the same room. And so there are folks who 
Um, in particular, I've seen this more with the screenwriters who have a conception that, you know, theater um, involves a, a bunch of folks yelling at each other about dead relatives over a kitchen sink. And, uh, mm-hmm. and while there are great examples of those kind of plays, it's like, oh, no, there's so much more. Um, and so, I hope so. Uh, I kind of appreciating... I've got one of those too, but you know, the, uh, <laughs> I think we all do. <laughs> but uh, but they're still fun to pick on, and um, so you know the, the um, and so being able to say to them, oh look, but there's there's so much there's so much you can do in this abstract space that you know certainly there are great realistic plays being written, great naturalistic plays being written, but um, and uh, I'm sure that you keep up with HowlRound and have read um, different articles and blogs coming out saying how TV writing has affected theater writing. Um, but theater is still very much an abstract space, so there's um, a lot of fun one can have, you know, playing around with time, you know, jumping in and out of characters, just playing with theatricality, um, you know, in a, you know, without getting too theoretical in a kind of like a, a avant-garde-ish sense, you know, just a pinch of avant-garde here and there, mm-hmm. um, just to remind folks, yeah, this is a play, you know, this is, uh, it's a different experience, and, um, you know, and I think that you know when you look at like the geek theater movement with the vampire cowboys, I mean, they fully embrace theatricality and have been able to um, build an audience by going after a specific audience, um, and uh, and so just just getting the the writers to understand, like you know, sure, there's um, there's screenwriting, but there's also playwriting, and then negotiating the two throughout the semester, uh, that's probably the biggest challenge, and yeah. um, and I don't mean to you know, the down talk screenwriting thing at all. I, I love screenwriting. Um, two different animals. Write, uh, two different animals entirely, exactly. Sure, so yeah. to have them in the same room, it's like, okay, you know, this is, uh, is going to be a negotiation here. Yeah. Um, you know, something that I, I really believe is that if we are writing something, that we are responsible for what we write and the kind of work it does in the world um, because a play is a letter to the world. Um, so I think there's a kind of responsibility that comes with playwriting, screenwriting, other forms of writing that, mm. um, that absolutely must be embraced, um, uh, especially since we're speaking with the other, we're in conversation with the other. In some ways, we're in communion, you know, with the others, um, if we look at it as a kind of ritual. Mm. Um, so I, I guess that would be my, my, uh, I like my that. biggest... I like that. Play, uh, play is a letter yeah. to the world. That's, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Good way of putting. Thank so, you. what's up with your uh, with your own work? You got anything in the future? Working on anything? A um, couple things uh, going on. Yeah, I have a reading um, of a play called Eric, um, which comes up on November seventeenth, um, which is a Sunday in New York City with the Rising Sun Performance Company. Um, and then I have um, here at UGA um, the faculty have been generous enough to ask me for um, a bunch of my short plays. So they're going to produce a night of my 10-minute plays in February um, at the college as part of the season. Hey, congratulations. That's great. Thank you so much, yeah. And yeah. Rose of Athens has been very kind to me. They, Rose of Athens produces um, primarily um, family audience plays. They have an excellent uh, production of To Kill a Mockingbird this year, a wonderful production of The Tempest. Uh, but they're deciding to have a kind of uh, an after-dark slot uh, this year, and they're producing... Um, the first play that I had read with um, uh, No Shame uh, in April of last year, so that will be at the end of April, just uh, for one weekend, a uh, production of one of my plays. Um, so that's, 
yeah, so that's what I have going on. Uh, the wow. reading, a couple of productions, and always looking to uh, to do more. Um, You're a busy and, guy. Uh, <laughs> I, I like to be busy. It keeps me out of trouble. <laughs> that's excellent. Well, John Patrick Bray, it has been really, really good having you on our show. And uh, thank you so much. And good luck with everything you got coming up. And congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.